Hey bro, it is all good. Or is it really all good? We're going to talk about that today and more on BibleStudyPodcast.org, starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, July the 16th, and I'm your host, Toby Logsdon. And, of course, welcome to our fifth installment on The Essentials. This is a study that we're doing based on the book Conviction Without Compromise, written by Dr. Norman Geisler and Dr. Ron Rhodes. And the purpose of this study is really to define the essential doctrines of Christianity. What are the doctrines that define Christianity. So, welcome to our fifth lesson. Today we're going to be talking about human depravity. And, uh, of course, you knew that already if you were listening to our podcast on Monday on Romans. But, anyway, I hope you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, My week's been kind of up and down. It's been a roller coaster week. Um, You know, on Monday I had told you guys that, uh, that we were going to be expecting an offer on Monday at some point, uh, some people had come to see our house over the weekend. And of course we want to get to Arkansas to, to plant this church. And so we, uh, when we heard that we were expecting an offer on Monday, we were, you know, pretty excited. Unfortunately, uh, because we are zoned for an elementary school that has year round school, uh, looks like they have backed out. Although, um, there's still the possibility of them making an offer, but at this point, it's not looking good. But, uh, man, this is, it, it's just like fishing. Do, do any of you guys like fishing? You know, I, I love fishing. And when you throw your bobber out there, when you throw your, your line out there and you, you're watching your bobber, sometimes you you can't feel anything, but you see your bobber go up and down just real quick. It like bounces in the water a couple times. And so you know that there's a fish just like right on your line. And uh, if you're not careful, if you overreact, you pull too fast before the fish actually has a chance to get the the hook in their mouth. But uh, that's kind of like, man, that's kind of how I feel this whole process is. I, I felt like I just watched the bobber bounce up and down. Obviously, the analogy kind of ends there because, you know, we didn't do anything from that point on uh, to yank the line too soon or anything, but... Uh, Got we got to see some bouncing of the bobber. Wow, that was that was profound. But it doesn't look like we're going to be getting an offer from those people at this point in time. So anyway, if you guys could just continue to uh, to keep us in prayer about that, we sure would appreciate it. So anyway, let's go ahead and get started today with a quick word of prayer. Father God, we just humbly come before you. We thank you so much for this study. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to get to know you better. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would open our minds and hearts today and help us to be teachable. Help us today, Father, as we uh, come to an understanding of our relationship to you and where we stand according to your word. I just pray that you will bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, thus far in our study called The Essentials, we've covered the unity of God, and that's uh, that's to say there is only one God. We've covered the Trinity, and that's to say that there is uh, one God who is three persons, who are of one nature, one essence, and one substance. And by the way, if you've wondered if there's anybody out there, any Christians out there, or people who claim to be Christians out there who are confused about this doctrine, uh, go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and find the the lesson that we did on the Trinity and open that page. And uh, what you'll find there, there, there was somebody who had claimed to be a Christian, clearly denying the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, they obviously didn't listen to the lesson, so it was easy enough to uh, refute their argument. But nonetheless, I think this is uh, this is a perfect example of the fact that there are people out there who deny the doctrine of the Trinity. Hopefully all of you would have known how to respond to this person's argument as well, having listened to the lesson on the Trinity. But uh, yeah, go ahead and check that out if that's something that you're interested. But anyway, we've covered the unity of God, the Trinity, and then we covered the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. Remember, we assert that Jesus was both fully God and fully man in his nature. So uh, to make this claim, is not a contradiction to claim that he was fully God and fully man. So anyway, go back and listen to those if you haven't listened to them, because I really think that you'll be blessed by it, and you'll come to an understanding, hopefully, of why those doctrines are essential to Christianity. But today we're going to be discussing the fifth essential doctrine that Dr. Norman Geisler and Dr. Ron Rhodes cover in their book, Conviction Without Compromise, and that doctrine is the depravity of man. Now, this can be a tricky one with some serious objections that may appear to be difficult to overcome. And so, you know, it wouldn't be unusual, for example, for someone to say, well, if God is perfect, or if God is perfectly good, and if God is all-powerful, and if God created mankind, then mankind must be perfect. Uh, and that is to say that we are sinless, that we don't need anybody's help. We don't need salvation. And we hear this type of thing all the time, although maybe not in so many words, whether we recognize it or whether we realize it or not. After all, how many times have you heard someone say, uh, it's all good? Uh, you know, what's that supposed to mean? Or he's basically a good person. Or more common yet uh, is for someone to say, I'm basically a good person. But the fact is that if anyone were basically good, and if everything were all good, uh, you know, it would be completely unnecessary for Jesus to have died for our sins. And it would be completely unnecessary for, uh, for him to come and restore our world. So contrary to this warm, fuzzy, good you know, good feeling psychology, the Bible asserts that humankind is dirty, sinful, and fallen. Fallen from what? Fallen from the sinless creation that God created the world to be. The depravity of man, the sinfulness of mankind, is a theme which fills scripture from the beginning to the very end. Starting in Genesis chapter 1, we read that after each day of creation, God declares that his creation is good. After God creates mankind, however, he doesn't just say it's good. He said it was very good. And that's found in uh, chapter 1, verse 31 of Genesis. So, so far, so good. But God created mankind with the ability to think freely and to make decisions, to choose. Adam could have chosen obedience or he could have chosen rebellion against God. Which did he choose? Well, we all know that he chose rebellion against God. And as a result, Adam sinned and humanity was corrupted, separated from God, because God can't tolerate any sin. As Paul wrote in 
Romans chapter 5, verse 13, and this is a verse that we're going to be covering in our series on Romans in the coming weeks. Uh, As a result of Adam's sin, quote, through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. You know, the effects are seen almost immediately. The effects of Adam's sin are seen almost immediately. Adam and Eve are forced to leave the Garden of Eden, first of all, and in the very next chapter, uh, chapter 4, one of their children, Cain, murders one of their other children in cold blood. Of course, that was Abel. So obviously, it didn't take very long at all for someone to reach the depths of human depravity by committing the the most heinous crime, murder. And again, it's not long before Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 tells us that, quote, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In fact, humankind is so corrupted by the power of sin that we have absolutely no idea. We have absolutely no clue as to just how completely and utterly sinful we really are. The prophet Jeremiah wrote, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Of course, that's Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. This corruption of humankind has made absolutely no exceptions along the way. Every one of us has been corrupted. Every single one of us has been affected by it. Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, uh, There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. You know, in response to hearing this, somebody might say, well, you know, I've never done anything that bad. I've never stolen. I've never murdered anyone. I've never committed adultery. But, you know, Jesus made it clear that these are all sins that are committed in the heart, whether they're acted upon or not. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, Jesus says, quote, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In other words, yes, it's sinful to act upon your desires, but if you even look at another person and feel lust for them, you've already committed adultery. You're just as guilty of committing adultery as you would be if you had acted on that lustful desire in your heart. In Matthew chapter 5 verses 21 through 22, just a few verses back here, Jesus says, you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. In other words, the Sin of murder is committed in our hearts, and we're all guilty of it, even if we don't follow through with that impulse in our actions. Further, nobody is exempt from sin because it's a condition that every single one of us is born into. David wrote in Psalm uh, 51, verse 5, he said, In sin, my mother conceived me. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, that all of us are born as children of wrath. So nobody is exempt from the condition of sin. We are depraved. Every one of us, all of humanity, is born into this condition with no exceptions. So let me ask you this. Why then 
is this doctrine so important? Why is it so vital that we come to accept and understand the fact that we're all sinful? Well, it's because the Word of God, as revealed in Scripture, is a two-edged sword in that it condemns and it saves. You know, we've seen that we're all condemned, but we also know that the Word of God offers salvation to any who accept Jesus and call upon the name of the Lord, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 13. The problem is that, you know, if a person denies that they're depraved, if they deny their sinful nature, uh, then they don't really recognize their need to be saved. That's why Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. You know, if a person thinks that they're free of sin, then they would also have to think that they're free from the penalty of sin. If a person is already free from the penalty of sin, then they don't have any need to accept Jesus as their Savior because they think they've already saved themselves or they think that they are capable of somehow saving themselves. You know, many throughout history have misunderstood the purpose of the law of Moses, thinking that they have to maintain perfect obedience to those laws in order to be saved. And a lot of people have made this misunderstanding, Christians included. However, you know, if obedience to the law of Moses were even possible, then there was no point in Jesus being born as a man or being sacrificed on our behalf. No amount of works can ever be sufficient for earning salvation. The law was never intended to save us. Rather, the purpose of the law, as we covered in our study on Romans, uh, was to be like a mirror. And let me give you an illustration for that. Let me, let me give an example of that. You know, if I look in the mirror, I might realize that I have dirt on my face. I can't see it otherwise. I might not know that I have dirt on my face, but once I look in the mirror, my reflection in the mirror reveals the dirt on my face. Yet the mirror itself isn't what cleans the dirt off of my face. Similarly, the law of Moses was meant to be like that mirror. What it does is it shows us that we are dirty as a result of our sin. It shows us that we are unclean. Uh, The law was never intended to be the cleansing solution. Rather, the purpose of the law, just like the purpose of the mirror, was to show us Uh, how desperately we needed to be cleansed. Now, as a result of our depravity, there is absolutely no righteousness within us, and there's no righteousness that we are capable of on our own. As a result of our depravity, our works are insufficient to save us. As the prophet Isaiah wrote in chapter 64, verse 6, he says, All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. And coming to a realization that we're incapable of saving ourselves is therefore necessary in order for a person to be saved. But of course, there are a lot of groups out there, a lot of groups out there, which completely deny that humanity is completely depraved, that humanity is completely sinful. The New Age, of course, is the first group that comes to mind when we're talking about groups that deny that we are all sinners. And I hold the New Age movement uh, you know, pretty responsible, in fact, for the prevailing view in our culture that people are basically good. Dr. Geisler and Dr. Rhodes point out in their book here that uh, New Ager David Spangler will say that since humans are divine, they are essentially a law unto themselves and thus cannot be held guilty of any sin. Let me say that again. I don't want you to miss this. The New Age claims, just like David Spangler claims, and he's speaking on their behalf. This is pretty typical of, of the New Age. He says that since humans are divine, they are essentially a law unto themselves, and thus cannot be held guilty 
of any sin. And you know, many of you are probably familiar with Shirley MacLaine as well. You, you probably know who she is. She's an actress. Uh, but have you read what she wrote in her book? She wrote, quote, There is no such thing as good and evil. What? Uh, and then she goes on to say that until mankind realizes that there is, in truth, no good, and there is, in truth, no evil, there will be no peace, end quote. Hmm, that's puzzling. Further, she writes, quote, there is no evil, only the lack of knowledge, end quote. And you know, I can't help but wonder if she would deny the reality of evil if someone were robbing her at gunpoint. And of course, I'm, I am not encouraging anybody to do that. I don't want you to do that. Don't do that. But, uh, but what would she do if she were confronted by the, the most, you know, vile evil imaginable? Of course, if there is no evil, then there's nothing evil about pointing a gun at someone and telling them, that they're going to be shot if they don't comply. Uh, further, if there's no evil, then then how can there not be peace? I, I think that peace would be the absence of evil, but she's saying that there is no evil, so uh, I guess I'd have to figure out what she means by peace. But of course, in her book, McLean also reveals her belief that she, like everyone else, is God. It's just a matter of opening our eyes and realizing that we are God, according to uh, to Shirley McLean and what she wrote in her book. Of course, in order to be God, one would have to be all-knowing, but you can't be all-knowing until you realize that you're God, and you can't realize that you're God until you buy her book, right? So make sure, yeah, according to her, make sure you get out there and buy her book. Please, you know, if you have to read a book to realize that you're God, then clearly you're not God. But, you know, the, the New Age philosophy wasn't the first school of thought to promote these things. The, uh, the mind science cults asserted the same things, uh, and these preceded the New Age. According to the mind science cults, right thinking or positive thinking is the cure for sin. Mary Baker Eddy, for example, uh, who founded the Christian science cult, taught that sin, like sickness, was nothing more than just an illusion. It wasn't real, and it could be corrected by just thinking positive thoughts. She taught that by practicing Christian science, quote, sin and disease lose their reality in human consciousness and disappear as naturally and as necessarily as darkness gives place to light and sin to reformation. Hmm. Well, it's odd to note then that even though she practiced Christian science, she died. Yes, it's true. Her right thinking, her positive thinking, couldn't save her from death. Uh, and, and that bears sufficient testimony against her own philosophy, particularly in light of her idea that, quote, when mind at last asserts its mastery over sin, disease, and death, then is man found to be harmonious and immortal, end quote. Immortal? <laughs> but she died. Well, there you have it. You know, uh, obviously she was wrong. Her philosophy was wrong. Uh, but similar to the mind science cults and the new age cult uh, are the psychics who have gained such a huge, huge following in recent years. Thanks to uh, to many of the talk show hosts out there like Montel Williams, who always has Sylvia Brown on there. Well, not always, but she's on there, you know, how often? She's on there all the time. But according to psychic Jane Roberts, she has the spirit guide named Seth who told her that, quote, the soul is not something you must save or redeem. Wow, that's really contrary to scripture. Uh, another psychic, J.Z. Knight, who claims to have a spirit guide by the name of Ramtha, teaches that, quote, the world doesn't need saving. Leave it alone. Relinquish guilt. Do not live by rules. Live by feelings. Wow, live by feelings. So if I'm feeling like going out and robbing a bank, that's okay. 
Because there are no rules that I should abide by, I just go by my feelings. So, wow, what a bunch of garbage. Uh, but uh, And then there's psychic James Von Prague, who says that, quote, each one of us is perfect if we would only seek our divinity. Wow, that is just, these things are so contrary to Scripture. And, you know, if you just open your eyes, you realize that these things are wrong. You know, I don't know which world these people live in, but uh, it's not the same world that we all live in, right? Uh, anyway, the Freemasons are another group which denies the depravity of mankind. Freemason author L. James Rongstad writes, quote, Masonry teaches that humanity is not originally sinful, just imperfect. If a person works faithfully at keeping the principles and teachings of the Lodge, then he will be ushered into the Grand Lodge above. Wow, that's uh, there. There you go. That's that's total legalism right there. That's completely contrary to the message of Scripture. It's saying that you can earn your salvation. So that's what the Freemasons assert, and that, so that's another group that denies this basic doctrine of Christianity. But you know, the the list of groups and cults which deny the sinfulness and the depravity of humankind goes on and on and on. But the Bible is clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And for that reason, this is an essential doctrine that we absolutely cannot compromise on. So, anyway, I hope that this is helpful to you guys. I've received some great feedback from you guys about this series, and I'm glad to know that you guys are enjoying it. I want to remind you guys that if you have any questions, you can always email me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. And, of course, if any of you are on Facebook or MySpace, if you do a search for me uh, under cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com, you can add me as a friend or add me to your network or whatever, and uh, then you can be posted with updates, and I try to update my status uh, pretty regularly about what's going on with the selling of our house and, and so on and so forth. So anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll see you next time on BibleStudyPodcast.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. This lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org, a paraministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus.